0: Good evening, and welcome to The Artist Heart Live. Tonight's show will be very different to what we normally capture and provide for you each and every single week. As many of you know, this past week, a terrible tragedy happened that saw 22 young lives and two teachers' lives brutally taken. This seems to happen far too often, especially in our modern world. When people tell me that we are God's highest form of creation, I laugh. I genuinely laugh because I see the brutal nature in which we treat each other, in the savage ways that we try to corrupt and the inhumane ways that we try to extradite power over another in preparing for this show i reflected upon a show that i did back in 2013. this very show in fact where i was paying tribute to the sandy nook high school that saw many students unfortunately murdered in a very similar way back in the 1980s a wonderful gentleman by the name of john denver saw all that was going on and he challenged a lot of the the views and the ideologies and the, the sort of the, the beliefs that people had held for so long that had formed much of our western world back then he was perhaps one of the most influential singers songwriters of all time and he wrote a song after seeing all that was going on and, and all the insanity that was happening particularly In the war, the Cold War, that was taking place between Russia and the United States. Two superpowers that have the ability to destroy all life on Earth at the click of a button. And the song that he wrote was called Let Us Begin. It's also known by another name which I will share with you momentarily. And seeing all that happened, he wrote a song that when I first heard it, sent goose up and down my body and tingly feelings up and down my spine. He partnered with perhaps then one of the most influential and popular singers of the Soviet Union, a gentleman by the name of Alexander Goratsky, Sasha, as he was known. And together they performed a song that would go on to change the lives of millions around the world. Now you may never have heard of John Denver, you may never have heard of Sasha, you may never have heard of this song, but I promise you by the time, our time together is through today. This song will be heard once more. It will be uncovered once again, because just as it was then, so it is now. A time of great need, and a time that asks one question and one question alone. What are we making weapons for? I am the son
1: of a grassland farmer Western Oklahoma,
2: 1943 I always felt grateful To live in the land of the free my father to South Korea, the mind of my brother to Vietnam,
3: and now there's a
2: banker who says I must give up my land. There are four generations of blood in this topsoil, four generations of love on this farm. Before I give up, I'm glad i give up my right arm. What are we being? Gradsky in Moscow. I had a son, and my son was a soldier. He was so like my father, he was so much like me. To be a good comrade was the best that he dreamed he could be. He gave up his future to revolution. It's like a battle that just can't be won For this is not leaving To leave at the point of a gun I remember the 900 days of letting run The sound of the dime, the cut of the gold I pray it doesn't never grow. a slave to ways of the powers that be and i fear for my children as i fear for the future i see
1: tell me how can
2: it be we're still fighting each other what will it take for a few people to if our song is my sung as a chorus, we surely will learn.
1: When we think of classic works of art, the most common setting we imagine them in is a museum. But what we often forget is that much of this art was not produced with a museum setting in mind. What happens to an artwork when it's taken out of its originally intended context? Take the example of Michelangelo's Statue of David depicting the boy hero who slew the giant Philistine Goliath armed with only his courage and his slingshot. When Michelangelo began carving a block of pure white marble to communicate this famous biblical story, the city of Florence intended to place the finished product atop their grand cathedral. Not only would the 17-foot-tall statue be easily visible at this height, but its placement alongside 11 other statues of Old Testament heroes towering over onlookers would have a powerful religious significance, forcing the viewer to stare in awe towards the heavens. But by the time Michelangelo had finished the work in 1504, the plans for the other statues had fallen through, and the city realized that lifting such a large sculpture to the roof would be more difficult than they had thought. Furthermore, the statue was so detailed and lifelike, down to the bulging veins in David's arm and the determination on his face, that it seemed a shame to hide it so far from the viewer. A council of politicians and artists convened to decide on a new location for the statue ultimately voting to place it in front of the Palazzo della Signoria, the town hall and home of the new Republican government. This new location transformed the statue's meaning. The Medici family, who for generations had ruled the city through their control of banking, had recently been exiled, and Florence now saw itself as a free city threatened on all sides by wealthy and powerful rivals. David, now the symbol of heroic resistance against overwhelming odds, was placed with his intense stare, Now a look of stern warning focused directly towards Rome, the home of Cardinal Giovanni de' Medici. Though the statue itself had not been altered, its placement changed nearly every aspect of it, from a religious to a political significance. Though a replica of David still appears at the Palazzo, the original statue was moved in 1873 to the Galleria dell'Accademia, where it remains today. In the orderly, quiet environment of the museum, alongside numerous half-finished Michelangelo sculptures, overt religious and political interpretations fall away, giving way to detached contemplation of Michelangelo's artistic and technical skill. But even here, the astute viewer may notice that David's head and hand appear disproportionately large, a reminder that they were made to be viewed from below. So, not only does context change the meaning and interpretation of an artwork throughout its history, Sometimes, it can make that history resurface in the most unexpected ways.
0: To Michelangelo's documentary, the Final Pop.
3: All images of the judgment up to that time had God on a throne in the center, with angels and saints ranged along horizontal lines. Michelangelo again started an artistic revolution, developing his story along perpendicular axes. His work invades the enormous white wall that seems to explode in a whirlwind of figures that all rotate around a central figure, apparently without rules. All it takes is to observe with a little more attention to see that the scene begins on the left, where the blessed rise towards heaven. God is in the center, but this time looks like Christ the Judge, and his position is the same as the Apollo of the Belvedere, the famous statue found in the Vatican and imitated throughout the entire Renaissance. His hand in a circular movement moves the whole scene, letting the damned fall towards hell and helps the blessed into heaven. The last judgment of the Sistine Chapel has nothing to do with the anatomy lessons of the ceiling. Here, the naked bodies, particularly those of the damned, no longer have noble and composed positions, instead, They're gawky and muddy as they scream and scramble. They're almost caricatures of all that is negative in the human condition. If you concentrate on the scene, you can almost hear the screams of pain, the noise of the souls rushing to their own destinies, and the deafening trumpets that announce the end times. Only in the center does the scene seem suspended in an unreal silence. Even the saints and martyrs, all turned towards Christ, are anxious and terrified as they wait for the final verdict to be pronounced. Even the Madonna is timid and resigned at his side. Some of the blessed kiss each other and hug one another with enormous relief. Up above, outside the circular movement, angels almost threateningly carry the cross and symbols of the Passion. Christ the Judge is wrapped in a blinding light Nonetheless, both the Damned and the Blessed can't help looking towards him. In the Last Judgment, too, the images don't all have the same perspective. The figures of the Blessed and the Damned are randomly grouped or distance themselves, leaving blue spaces. Every corner is frescoed with infinite care given to the tiniest details. Some of the saints are easily recognizable because they hold the symbols of their story or their martyrdom in their hands. Saint Peter, on Jesus' right, holds the two keys. Saint Lawrence holds the great, and Saint Sebastian kneels, holding the arrows with which he was martyred. One of the most famous images is Saint Bartholomew, who died skinned alive. The saint seated on a cloud is painted as Pietro Aretino, the Tuscan poet who had dared to criticize nudity. But the most celebrated detail of all is the skin that the saint holds in his hand, in which Michelangelo put his self-portrait. In fact, at the height of his creative work, the artist truly felt skinned alive by those insistent criticisms. On the lower right, the angels of the apocalypse sound their trumpets with every breath in their body, blowing out their cheeks to the bursting point to wake the dead. Angels and demons pitilessly let the desperate damned fall into hell. As your gaze drops slowly downwards, the scenes become more and more terrible until you arrive at Charon, who beats the souls away from his boat with an oar and sends them off towards Minus, the judge of hell wrapped in a serpent. The figure of Minus, besides being recognized as the Pope's master of ceremonies, was also identified with Pierluigi Farnese, son of Pope Paul III, who, in Rome, was known for acts of violence and sodomy. left, according to the theory of the resurrection of the flesh, the reborn rise into heaven, getting their bodies back, some of them holding a rosary, a criticism of Luther's theories.
0: Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed that little tour around Michelangelo's life uh, and his works. He was a most remarkable man who lived at a most remarkable time where creativity and uh, forward thinking really really began to break out on the scene and when you look all those years ago you know it, it is phenomenal to even think of you know a, a world without certain types of paint uh, certain types of color certain types of things and yet it all came from somewhere um and that is you know the most phenomenal exciting thing that when you look back through the progression of man you can spot literally life-changing things so that is really my advice to you today never ever give up on your dreams of becoming a successful artist a successful author a successful musician everybody who has been successful has started where you are at and they've also gone through the things that you have gone through and they've come out through the other side never ever has it been easier to reach people around the world and to sell your creative talent if that's what you're looking to do if you know if you're looking to make a business out of it and things and the wonderful thing about it is, there's so many resources to you now. All the information is out there on YouTube or through audiobooks or through actual books, and you have an amazing opportunity. So never ever sit there and think, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Everything is figure outable. And um, it is a wonderful joy when you actually reach it and you get that first sale, and then you get the next one, the next one, the next one. And you realize you're changing people's lives around the world and creating work that is going to be known and recognized from this point forward for all time. And it's really, really wonderful. So that is this week's creative tip, folks. We really hope you've enjoyed um, this episode of the Artist Heart Live. I know it's been a very, very different one. And um, I suppose to to wrap up the show, um, I've been asked to share some final thoughts. We live in a world that is in many ways operating backwards. We live in a world that is so focused on the external and very little on the internal. They're so focused on the fruits rather than the, the roots and they're so focused on just the, the things that they really shouldn't be. And what I've found more and more is that it really does work backwards because rather than you're know, looking internally and solving your problems internally, Everyone's always looking for a pill. Everyone's looking for an external stimuli. Everyone's looking for, you know, the the next big fix, the next big thing. And if I can give you any advice at all out of this week, it would be if I can give you any hope, maybe not even advice, it would be to go within to keep developing your own self, to be concerned more about yourself than you are about others. Because out of that concern for yourself, you will be naturally concerned for others and you'll be able to be there for them when they need you most. I know in my own life, I spent so many years trying to trying to figure everything out and trying to go against the grain and trying to do this, that and the other. And when I dropped all of the labels and I dropped all the things and. And I actually found for myself just letting life flow. And the way that I use my mind and the power that I have in my mind is simply phenomenal, and you do too. If you're a creative mind, you have the amazing ability within you to be able to figure out answers to problems that people have never even thought of. You've got the ability to think of, of, of solutions to problems that, that people have never ever even conceptualized, never even thought possible. You'd be amazed how powerful your mind is. What happened last week was absolutely tragic. There is no doubt I'm no denying that at all. Whenever uh, a child loses their life, it is one of the most heartbreaking things known to man. That is, I suppose, in many ways, why you've seen very little of me during this show, because. Mere words cannot express the sorrow that I feel. As I said at the beginning of the show, I remember doing this show back in 2013 when the Sandy Nook, um, I think it was Sandy Nook, or Sandy Hook, one of the schools, um, high school in America was, again, very, very much in the same way attacked. The church is attacked. People of all races and faiths are attacked. and. The sad thing is, particularly in the Western world, that we have created weapons and weapons of mass destruction and weapons of biochemistry and biological warfare and all that kind of stuff because of our insecurities, because of our fear, because ultimately of our childishness. And that song that will be issued as a separate video, I encourage you to share not to get me views or anything like that, but because I'm now in a place in my life where I'm thinking more and more about the things that really matter. And I see so many podcasts and so many shows, so many self-help shows, all saying the same thing. Who cares? Who really, really cares? And what I find more and more now that I want to be involved with are things that really, really matter. And I think that song really does. I think it's so relevant now 35 years on from when it was written. So I hope you listen to it again and just let the words sink in. And I hope it impacts you in a phenomenal way. Until next time, my friends, take care. God bless. Namaste, my friends. We will see you same place, same time, next week.